Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. On today's show, we break down a disappointing loss in Indianapolis to the Pacers for your Hornets. Frank Kaminsky continues to struggle. MKG continues to sit the bench in the fourth quarter. We debate the merits of that decision. And we talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do in an entire day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets, your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets, the best Hornets talk anywhere in your podcast feed every single day. We're coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, David Walker. What's up, Doug? Well, you know, I'm just uh, a little flustered this morning. Got uh, into a bare-knuckle brawl with uh, the printer that prints off our scripts this morning. Oh, my gosh. Is that an office space situation? A little paper. A little pa- well, I, no, no crazy code on this printer, but I didn't know how to <laughs> work this printer at all, and, and the paper jammed, and uh, yeah, I had to wrestle with it. But 2016, uh, it's 2016, we're this, still printing stuff. Well, like listen, that. this this printer is not from 2016. This printer, <laughs> this printer knew Reagan as president, that's for sure. <laughs> we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world. Okay, David, let's start in Indianapolis where the Hornets were trying to get their fifth straight win over the Indiana Pacers, but the Pacers jumped out to a quick 10-point lead. Former Pacers center Roy Hibbert and the second unit got the Hornets right back into it. It was a game of clawing back in the first half. The Hornets went into the locker room down only two to the third quarter where Nick Batum saving the day. He started to heat up. He knocks down three trays in the quarter to pace the Hornets, but the Hornets' second unit who probably saved the Hornets in the first half, let them down in the second half. The Pacers get off to a 6-0 run to take the lead to 9 in the fourth quarter. Paul George taking care of the rest in this one. David, the Pacers finished the game with 17 made threes on 36 attempts. That's a lot. Was, (laughs) Was that the determining factor in this game in your mind? Well, it's kind of been the theme recently. I mean, the Hornets are giving up so many three-pointers a game, and they talked about it on the pregame last night and during the game, that the Pacers have several guys who can shoot the three. So, I mean, anytime you give up 17 made three-pointers, that is a factor. And uh, I think the Hornets only made 10, right? So that's a 21-point difference. All all the gains they made on the free-throw line were nullified by those 17 three-pointers. So, yeah, I mean, I think the shooting was the big story because the Hornets really struggled. Uh, shooting in the low 30s, 33%, I think, for the game. I mean, 30% or so in the first quarter. So uh, they had trouble scoring the basketball and stopping the Pacers from getting good looks at threes. So uh, certainly a big part of it. Yeah, I think the the three-point shooting was certainly a factor, but I think it's a little bit deceiving because 13 of those 17 threes were hit in the first through the third quarter and had the Hornets 
you know, been able to get a rebound, they go into that fourth quarter yeah. tied. Instead, they go down three, and then you had the 6-0 run, which turned into an 8-2 or a 10-2 run to start the fourth quarter, and that was really the difference in the game. And so, again, you know, I mean, they, they stopped some of those three-pointers early on, you know, maybe they have, maybe they go into the fourth quarter with a lead. I don't know, but you sort of you have to play the situation that you're dealt. And if you're in a game uh, with a team that's sitting at 500, a team you've already beaten this season by 20 plus, I think you have to win that game. Yeah, and I mean, I thought that you know Marco has been so good recently, hitting some of these tough shots to keep him in games, but you can't depend on that every night and. Um, he wasn't able to do it as much last night late, and Kemba had a rough night scoring, which is going to happen. I mean, um, Nick picked it up, though. I mean, picked it up a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, you got Miles Turner hitting step-back threes to ice the game. That one that one stunk. And has there ever been a game you've seen C.J. Miles play where he hasn't hit a three? No, I mean, he's he's just been red hot this season, as we said in the preview. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm telling you, they need to limit each team to one player with with the name. It sounds like Miles. Give it these double <laughs> these call them uh, call them the Capital One team. They got double miles and I don't like it. Um, so, yeah, guard play, you mentioned a struggle. Nick Batum, he did have those three three pointers in the third quarter to keep them within reach but 4 of 13 overall 30% from the field he didn't really have his mid-range pull-up game going at all he does finish the game with another double-double Nick Batum the surprising double-double machine on this team right now Mm -hmm. 13 points 10 rebounds and then Kimba Walker just well I want to talk a little bit in depth about what happened I think he's still nicked up a little bit I mean don't you well certainly maybe injury could be a factor but he looked like he was getting to the rim uh, with ease and just not able to finish. He finishes the game 4 of 16 from the field. It's 25%, 12 points, 5 assists, 2 rebounds. I I think you have to credit the Pacers' defense for slowing Kimba Mm -hmm. down. They slowed him down at the point of attack just enough, and and Clifford mentioned after the game that they were doing a great job of showing uh, really hard to keep keep Kimba, you know, again, you just keep him – high enough for long enough because he's going to get by his man like or he's going to get by the guy who's showing because there's not a ton of big guys in that screen and roll situation that are going to be able to keep Kemba in in, in front but again you just sort of take him out of a rhythm he he got to the rim with these but once he was there it also gives you know Miles Turner Lavoy Allen uh, these uh, help side defenders time to get to the rim and challenge Kemba, and they did a great job of doing that without fouling him. Or we've seen this a lot, David, players sort of giving him not fouling contact, but just enough contact where he can use that as leverage, and it almost mm-hmm. balances him, and he's been yeah. able to finish through that. Miles Turner and Lavoy Allen did a good job of sort of faking like they were going to do that and – and then sort of pulling the carpet out from under him. And we saw several times where Kemba, you know, puts the ball up a little too late and it either hits the rim or it hit the back of the backboard one time. So, you know, they just took Kemba out of rhythm. And I don't feel like Kemba did a great enough job in the second half of adjusting to that and and maybe finding some other people. Only five assists in this game. I thought he could have had two or three more because uh, there were opportunities when, when the lane closed down. 
Yeah, and at the same time, I mean, you know, it's like, well, what's gotten to this point this year? A lot of it's been Kemba scoring, so it's hard to fault him too much. Not that you were not that you're pointing the blame at, at Kemba for trying to do what he oh, does. Oh, completely, it was a hundred percent Kemba's fault. <laughs> That's what this show's called. It's Kemba's fault. He's it's all his fault. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just a tough night, and we're going to start to see that a lot more, don't you think? I mean, these teams are really going to start keying in on him over you know the, the next three quarters of the season i mean don't you think these other guys are going to figure something else out because yeah well that's that, the thing I mean, it wasn't down. It, yeah it wasn't kimba's it wasn't kimba's fault but right. the hornets have been so dependent on kimba's offense when the rest of the team isn't shooting well and they've yeah. been dependent on him being clutch and he goes one for four in the fourth quarter wasn't able to get that clutch offense going and then then you start to go okay what happens when Kimba has an off night like tonight when he isn't able to adjust when the when the defense you know it's rare that the defense is able to contain him uh, but they were able to do that what do the Hornets do they got to the free throw line 28 of 32 87.5 percent that's that's awesome I mean the Hornets have been struggling from the free throw line so they do that but then you look at Nick Batum, four of thirteen, couldn't couldn't get a shot off. Then you look at Michael Kidd Gilchrist, one of nine, uh, couldn't yeah. get his offense going. And then you, you look to the reserves, Frank Kaminsky, one of eight, uh, uh. another tough offensive night for Frank Kaminsky. And, and you start to wonder, okay, where is this? Where is this second layer, third layer of offense going to come from from the Charlotte Hornets? It just hasn't been there. No, it hasn't. I mean, are you starting to think that they might need to have to make a move? to address that I, just, I don't know i don't i mean well i mean it's something to think about right i mean it's it's not going to change I, I don't i mean if you're I gonna think have you're, i think you're 14 and 11 unless you know i i think unless you yeah. really unless there's an injury or unless there is a significant drop off and maybe you're sitting at 500 instead of a few games above 500 maybe you make a move or, or maybe you're sitting a few games under 500 and you think you can make a run after february Maybe then you make a move, but I think if you're if you're three or four games above five hundred, you know you're tracking towards forty five to forty eight wins. I think you, you you play the hand you're dealt, in, in my opinion, and I think that's what they're thinking as well because they they are really committed, right or wrong, they are committed to keeping this core of players together, and they want to see. I don't think we've seen uh, the, the full potential of this team yet. Uh, and, and they still are getting healthy. I mean, I look at Roy Hibbert, and I don't think he's 100% healthy. I, I, I just don't. I think yeah. you see him moving up and down the court. I think he's. I don't think he's healthy yet. Uh, and, and, you know, you have a lot of people talking about moving Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. I mean, I see it all the time on Twitter. Maybe we should move Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. Uh, you know, because he's he's you know the three point shot hasn't developed. He would be uh, you know because of his defense, he could be an asset to some teams. He has value. Yeah, he has some value, maybe not a crazy amount of value because that shooting hasn't hasn't turned around. But I just don't think this team would be the same team without MKG's rebounding. I think MKG and Zeller both averaging just over two offensive rebounds per game. He had five. Last night, I mean, that offensive rebounding, it's one of the things, you know, you say, well, Kimba had an off night, he didn't score. Who else is going to score? Well, I think Michael Kidd Gilchrist did a great job of secondary scoring by getting those offensive rebounds. The Hornets finished with 13 second chance points. I mean, those are the kind of things that keep, you know, keep a team in a ball game and you just hope that the shooting, you know, comes around and helps you finish things off. It didn't in this game, but it could in other games. And I just don't think sure. that this team is the same team without MKG's 
hustle rebounding because no, it's not coming not, from other sources. Yeah, and I'm not I'm I'm not suggesting they trade in KG or or that that's even on the horizon. I mean, we do know that Cho likes to trade and likes to make deals uh, when he can and when he can find value. It's just something you know that that we've been looking at all season to see if they can find another guy who can score or create his own shot. I mean, I don't know that it's on the roster is all, you know? So, uh, and it's been a problem since last year. So when you have nights like this, it just, it comes back up in my mind when Kemba's shut down and you know, you're going to see that some more, but you got to get more from, I mean, Frank, the confidence level has just got to be in the, in the basement right now. I mean, for him, he's really struggling. Uh, one to two from three, like you said, one of eight from the field and just the defense as well is, is an issue. I think what's what's been difficult, we have to kind of put this in perspective a little bit. Well, let's go back to the offseason, okay? So we heard the focus, the main focus was going to be on getting better defensively, okay? And coming into this season, it, it, it is, def, defense has still been a struggle for Frank Kaminsky, and plus, add to that, Marvin Williams gets hurt, and so he has to get inserted into the starting lineup, sure. and he gets exposed several times during during that stretch and add on top of that that they are in this period right now where there's not a lot of practice time there's not a lot of time to regroup you know they're playing a game every other day Mm -hmm. and and I think that's where you're seeing you know the youth of Frank Kaminsky because I think he's still in development and it's tough when you get into the season and what you expected to improve doesn't improve and then you don't have time again to just sort of sit back and go, okay, let me let me look at this, let me tinker with this, let me try this. There is no trying at this point. There's just you know getting out there and doing the best you can. And, and I think the defensive struggles are leaking into the offense. I don't think it's the other way around. I don't think he's just going out there and having bad shooting nights and then you know not playing hard on defense. That's easy to recognize. I think it's. He wanted to improve on defense. It's not happening. And there, as you said, there's a confidence issue and it's leaking into the offense. Yeah. However, however, whatever way it goes, it's, it's affecting him on both ends tonight. But he's still, you, you still see that willingness to take threes, especially in, in shots. So you're right. I mean, it's still early. It's still young. He's still young. Um, and it's tough to shake that off during the season. But I mean, to answer your original question, Doug, you just you look at the stats in this game, 33% shooting versus basically 50%. Uh, they lost the turnover battle and uh, 24 assists to 16 assists. I mean, I don't know. You look at that game and you give up 17 three-pointers on 50% shooting overall, it's going to be tough to win, especially when the other team's got a guy like Paul George and you can't do much to stop him. And I thought they were moving the ball well. I mean, 16 assists, they just weren't. You know the the, the it takes two more going in takes two to tango. I mean, yeah, you need yeah. you need the guy on the other end to hit the shot, and you know it's it's been a story when the offense struggles. It's been about it's not been about you know last season when the offense struggled. I felt like it, a lot of the talk was not being able to get into the paint. Well, with Kimba's uh, with Kimba MKG Nick all healthy, and you add to that Marco's ability to get into the paint, Cody Zeller's role game developing. They're getting into the paint. It's when the ball gets kicked out. And shots are open, and guys aren't drilling it. I mean, that's you know that's part of offensive execution again, and and that's going to have to improve. We have to talk about this because we talked about it on Monday. It was the the subject of our main discussion. Michael Kidd Gilchrist not playing in the fourth quarter. It happened again in this game. Uh, once again, 
Steve Clifford going to Marco Bellinelli, going with offense in the fourth quarter. And and I don't know. I, I yeah. think I think you could justify it, David, against Detroit because Detroit couldn't shoot. So you didn't need that added defense. You needed offense where because ne- neither team was able to shoot the ball really well. And then against Cleveland, I mean, MKG wasn't stopping LeBron James. Nobody was stopping LeBron James. A meteor wasn't stopping LeBron James. He was he was having you know a, a Hall of Fame type of night. Okay, so you didn't need MKG there. You sub in some offense and just hope you can outscore the team, outshoot the the Cleveland Cavaliers in the fourth quarter. Couldn't do it. Okay, now fast forward to this game, and I feel like they really could have used Michael Kidd-Gilchrist either to close the game or open the fourth quarter. I felt like it would have made a difference in this game, and Steve Clifford opting to go for offense again. What do you think? I think that's all it was. I mean, he was trying to get a little more scoring on a night when everybody was basically struggling, and you had MKG MKG at one of nine uh, from the field. Uh, and, And like... It just seems like there's a there's a flow to each game, and this one felt a little more like a like a shootout. I mean, you can look at it from both sides. I mean, certainly, you like to have MKG out there for his rebounding, as you pointed out, his energy and his defense. But to playing him in the fourth quarter, you are just giving up uh, scoring from one spot, um, and I think that's all he was looking to provide. And he spoke to that at, after the game, I think, saying they got to get more scoring, especially late in games. So. I understand the frustration. I mean, um, it's tough to look over there and see MKG healthy and then not, and not playing in the game. I, but I, I can also see it from the other side. It's very difficult to play a guy like that who just cannot give you anything on offense. So if he's going to lock down everybody and you don't have three or four guys hitting threes all across the court for the Pacers, then, yeah, I mean, maybe you can talk yourself into they win that game if he plays. But they were shooting it so well. There were so many guys getting shots. Um, I, I think Clifford was just trying to, to match that on the other end the best way he could. And Justin Thomas from ESPN Charlotte, and of course he's going to join us on Locked on Hornets live tonight at 6 o'clock p.m. You can watch all three of us talk about the Hornets and the NBA overall. We've got a great segment coming up called Naughty and Nice where we, we're going to talk about David Stern, Draymond Green. David hasn't picked his yet, but I'm excited to hear what his selection is for Naughty or, naughty or Nice going to be a fun show youtube.com forward slash locked on hornet six o'clock p.m tonight but justin uh, tweeted out during the game that you know clifford often talks about wanting to go defense to start the game because you want to get off to a good start and not allow the other team to get into a rhythm and then offense to end the game because you know in a close game it comes down to who which team can hit shots which team can knock down tough shots because the defense starts to ramp up and that's why, you know, you'll often see him go defense first quarter, MKG first quarter, and then, you know, have some kind of closing lineup. Fine. Okay. But I think in this, but, <laughs> but, but my frustration is that Paul George, you, you know, you knew on the previous night, Paul George scores 15 straight to end the game and bury the Portland Trailblazers, a very good Western Conference team. Okay. You know that. You know they're coming in with confidence. You know Paul George is coming in with confidence. You know he's going to close the game. And he did just that. And I think you could I think MKG could have made an impact and 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 maybe you know you give your shooters one more one more shot. I just I, I just feel or or the other option is you know you you didn't 
you give MKG, I don't think MKG closed the third quarter. So he got a little bit like a four, three or four minute breather to end the third quarter. So you start him for four or five minutes in the fourth quarter. And again, give your defense, give your defense a shot to, to, to get the lead and then come in with Marco Bellinelli and try to slam the door. That's all I'm yeah. saying. I just think, yeah. and, and you know, Clifford admitted the, the previous night that uh, on, what was it? Uh, on Saturday, their last game, he said, look, you know, this is not the kind of team where I'm knowing exactly who I'm going to close the game with night right. after night. It's going mm-hmm. to change. And and to me, you you just set it up. You've you put the onus on yourself to make that decision night to night, to make that strategy call. Sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it won't. I just think last night it didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work. Um, I mean, do you think if Marco had been, you know, two of 15, you think he would have stuck with him or, or rolled the dice with MKG the other way? I would hope so. Yeah, you, you make a great <laughs> point because Marco c- comes into the fourth quarter pretty hot and and, yeah. and does it, you know, he misses a couple of, of tough looks in the fourth quarter. Jeremy Lamb missed a couple of good looks. So, I mean, you go in with your offensive pieces in the beginning of that fourth quarter, trying to get the lead back. And I don't know. I just, I feel like maybe going with the defensive identity and maybe who knows, maybe in the next game against Washington, if it cut or, or Boston or Atlanta, the rest of this road trip, um, you know, you, 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 maybe that we'll have to keep an eye on it because I I think close game. And what does it do to MKG's confidence? I think is another question. This Mm. is, this is four games now. I mean, you can take away Orlando because none of the starters played. So three games, three close games in the fourth quarter, and you you don't go with one of your big, you know, your big three. Kimba, Batum, yeah. MKG, that's the big three. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about the comments just, just yet. I mean, for MKG, it's still, you know, he's healthy and playing right now. So I think that's the most important thing to him. And obviously, we don't want to speak for the guy, but um, it's – so much of the situation, right, Doug? I mean, how many times do we go back to that point with, and, and just like you said, Clifford is not exactly sure what it's going to look like at the end of each game, so he's kind of feeling it out. All right, the Hornets' next game is Wednesday night in Washington, D.C. against the Wizards. That's a 7 o'clock p.m. tip. Tune in tonight to Locked on Hornets Live for a preview. That's youtube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. We've got a lot of fun stuff in store. Myself, David, Justin, uh, we've got Captain Kurt on on the Dropity Drops. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so the Hornets lose this one. They're now 0-2 on this five-game road trip. And Clifford put sort of a benchmark, 3-2 and being the ideal, 2-3, and you take it. So the Hornets uh, with, with little wiggle room as they look ahead to Washington and then Boston and then Atlanta. And don't, don't think because Atlanta – uh, had had a little rough stretch that th- that's going to be an easy game because they're they're getting some things back together. So I look forward to previewing that game. We got to get Brad Rowland from Locked On Hawks back on the show as well. All right, thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets for more analysis. Subscribe to us on iTunes and while you're there, if you don't mind, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans just like yourself find this podcast. It helps us move up the rankings, so uh, give us give us a shout if you can. And shoot us your Hornets questions and your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com 
We're back again uh, tonight for Locked On Hornets Live, youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets, 6 o'clock p.m. That time for David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets, go America. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't blame it on caffeine and then go to Coke and Pepsi. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.